welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave DiOrio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two presents under your Christmas in July Christmas tree. What's up, Sarah and Jean? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Jean. Um, that's a bad setup, Dave, because I know for a fact I gave like my clever answer last year. Um, but Merry Christmas in July. Um, it was 90 freaking degrees in Philadelphia today. I hope it was cooler where you live. My name is Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And um, I find that I prefer Christmas in July than actual Christmas because huh. I don't have to go and visit nearly as many people in July as I do it in December. So... Uh, I prefer the loner version of Christmas. So, <laughs> you're, uh, you're blessed with a large family, Gene. Um, <laughs> sure, blessed. Or, or many obligations. They, I think it's probably more of that. Um, you can also find the show at Potadelphia because this is the bit that will never die. <laughs> it really should, though. It really <laughs> should. should. Did, I, uh, did I use a Christmas in July bit last July? If not last July, the year before, because <laughs> we have a lot of new I listeners. <laughs> I started to find. I started to, to say, "Oh, my thing about Christmas in July," and you're like, "I know it should be in June or whatever." And like, <laughs> it was a whole big thing. It was kind of clever, more clever than this interaction we're having now. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that conversation should be in June. That conversation is feeling vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um. We start today with the games of the whatever Olympiad uh, being held in, in Tokyo. Um, and the big news that came out just today um, was that Simone Biles has withdrawn from the, uh, the, the, the team competition. At the very least, she's withdrawn from the team competition and when we when we got this news this morning, there was some. Uh, well, is it was it injury or was it uh, something else? And um, we saw some conflicting reports. Some said it was an injury based on the the, the vault that the first vault that she took uh, versus some sort of like mental mental health issue. So. Um, well, what what is everyone's thoughts on this? Like, I have I have a, a, a certain feeling about this um, that you know I'm happy I'm happy to share. But where where does everyone stand with this? How, how do we feel about this? I'll go first. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with it. Um, it was later confirmed that there was no physical injury. What was hampering her was mental health uh, issues. She attempted, and I'm not even gonna pretend like I know gymnastic moves. I haven't, I haven't started watching this, uh, Olympics. I only know them every four years. So she was attempting something. It was I going believe they're to, called, like, I believe they're called six stunts, six stunts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was attempting some has, six stunts on the vault. Someone has been watching the skateboarding. Um, but so she was attempting something and was going to do a triple, but only did a double because essentially she bailed out. She lost her nerve in the middle of it. And, you know, in some things that would be a poor excuse, but when you flip your body over and your head is like parallel to the ground at points, I think losing your nerve and losing your form is a good enough excuse to take a step back and, 
and say, let's let the rest of the team handle it. Gene, you want to weigh in before everyone well, tees off? I, I, I got to be honest, I'm just hearing now that it's a mental health thing. So I hadn't okay. truly formed much of an opinion uh, right. up until just moments ago. I assumed that this was a physical thing. Um, but sort of like along the lines of what Sarah said, in, a, in an event like this or in a sport like this, where truly your nerve is possibly the the actual thing that is setting you apart from just some other athlete that is doing the same thing that you were doing. Um, it really is that you have to have the sort of the, the guts to be able to push your physical limitations beyond what uh, you've been doing every single time. And in Simone Biles case, she was already so far beyond what other people were doing physically that I think that she has reached a point where she just mentally can no longer extend herself out to a place that is safe when you've been living on sort of and i don't think that there's anything you can you, you can't really discount the fact that she has to spend an extra year mentally sort of at this edge preparing for an event that was supposed to be a year ago where you know she now had to you know there was some some conversations that i saw in interviews leading into the event into the games where she was saying you know I was despondent when when the games were canceled because I had to sort of psych myself up mentally to go through the whole process again. And I think that there is a certain amount of, you know, you, you can only take so much mentally. You can only stay on that edge for so long mentally. And it's um, unfortunate that this is one of those things that may end up lingering. I don't know that it's going to knock her legacy. She was pretty dominant in Rio. Um, but I certainly don't want to see somebody that is, you didn't want to see Michael Phelps go out, you know, not being able to swim. You know what I mean? You didn't want to watch him clapping on the, on the side of the pool. Uh, you didn't want to see, you know, you don't want to see any great athlete not performing on this stage that they are best at performing. I don't think anybody's going to say that Simone Biles is now a bad, uh, bad gymnast. You're not going to say that she's not, you know, wasn't one of the best Olympians that America's ever produced. Well, she was a great gymnast. Well, I mean, we don't know that she's not going to be able to, that she's going to not compete for the rest of the games. We don't know that yet. Maybe she won't. Um, I, well, like, like most people, I am not somebody who avidly follows gymnastics all year round. In fact, I prefer no, to watch I, the packaged, the packaged format of the gymnasts because I like the way they sort of weave it in the plot, uh, you know, and explain things to me rather than try and watch it live. I yeah, sort of now, really need to have these sorts of things spoon fed to me and be like, okay, in this event, you know, so-and-so needs to hit this number or this number of tricks or pull off this particular stunt in order to win. If somebody doesn't tell me that, I have no idea what I'm watching. Same thing with figure skating. Yeah. I, I mean, all of us, are, like when it comes to the Olympics, unless we're watching baseball you know, tennis, like golf, like any of the, like, we don't know. We, we don't know. We don't know the rules of handball. We don't know any of this stuff. We need, we need the commentators to kind of hold our hands through most of these. So I wanted to make sure that like, while I was forming my opinion of this situation, I watched the package tonight because I didn't get to watch it live. So I wanted to see like what actually went down. Okay. So in the broadcast, all right, you got to understand. So the team, the team event, 
is they take the four, they take four gymnasts, and on each apparatus, they take the top three and they have them do that, those six stunts on those apparatuses. Now, Biles was one of those four, obviously. And when you watch the broadcast, all leading up to it, it was, um, you know, wow, she had a lot of problems in the preliminaries. She had a lot of problems in qualifying. She had problems, you know, in, in nationals. And so the, all leading up to this is like red flags, red flags, red flags. This isn't happening. Then she does the vault, right? The, she doesn't do exactly what was planned out. It was basically a disaster if you listen to the commentators. Um, and then you see her talk to her coach. She says, I just don't trust myself. If you're doing the lip reading, she's saying, I just don't trust myself. She literally now has the yips. This is like Knobloch-esque. We can't make the throw to first base, but like you said, complicated by like a thousand because you're doing like something like much more mechanically difficult than throwing to first base or making a three-foot putt. And this is not something that just like unravels tomorrow when she does the individual events for the Olympics. This is like, okay, we need like a sports psychologist in here. This is going to take like time to rebuild. And that's just not something that is probably going to happen this week. If you're watching Ted Lasso episode one of season two, you know all about this uh, spoilers, <laughs> but um, we are involved in that. So I, this is the, that's, that's my blueprint here. I'm going off of. So I know what it takes uh, to get over them. But that, that's it. It's done. It's like it's fractured. Like once that breaks, I feel like you can't – it'll never be the same when you put it back together again. You could super glue it. You can tape it and whatever and put it all back together. But it'll never be the same as it was before. And I feel like it because of the all these like leading up to this events, like, oh, they we're struggling here, we're struggling here, we're struggling here, we're struggling here. If – I see a lot of people on Twitter calling her like a hero for doing this. Um, like what courage to withdraw from this event. But really, I think it would have been much more courageous to recognize this before the event started, allowed another person to take her place on the team because now the other three team members are left out to dry because now all of them have to do every apparatus. So it's like, okay, well, now we're doing six stunts on all this stuff. Well, we have no one else to take our place. And I'll tell you what, they hung tough, silver medal, uh, you know, all the props in the world. But if she knew this before going into this event tonight, I think the really courageous thing to do would have been step down before the event uh, to actually give her teammates a fighting chance. Well, um, the first thing I'll say is I was prepared to be far more outraged, Dave. So, <laughs> um and I understand what you're saying, and I don't know what her mental health history is. You know, if this is something that has been plaguing her a lot recently, and she has successfully dealt with it and, and managed it and known when she can go and when she can't, then yeah, Dave, I think you're right. You You do have an obligation if you have a medical problem, and this isn't dismissing mental health. This is saying if you have a medical problem, you owe it to your team to be forthright about it. And you owe it to yourself to, to be honest with yourself. Now, the, the problem is if you got a bad knee, 
your knee is not telling your brain that you can go. If you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you have the yips, your brain lies to you. Your brain tells you, you know, it's telling her, Simone, you're the greatest in the world. You're the greatest of all time, yada, yada, yada. You can do it. You can do it. Buckle down and do it. Buckle down and do it. Buckle down and do it. And she probably thought she could pull it out up until she couldn't. So would it have been better to, to, to have enough self-awareness, to have enough foresight to to drop out earlier she couldn't do it yes yeah it, it it was it would have been but it doesn't mean that she is wrong to to drop out uh to to recuse herself to pull herself back whatever she did it doesn't mean that she was wrong in the time could it have been better sure but in, in the time if it's going to derail the team because imagine imagine she didn't pull out the one thing is, you know, maybe she had bad scores or, or whatever the case may be, or it could have de derailed the team. When you have, you know, this this icon of uh, American gymnastics, if, if she's having a meltdown, if she's having a breakdown, like while they're trying to do it, that does, that does nobody any good. You know, if she can take a step back and go, I I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader right here, and she has the capacity to do that, then that's the better option. Now, I know how many times I said if just there. You know, there are certain things we don't know. And I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt because it takes a lot of mental strength to get to where she is and to do what she's done in the past. So yeah, I, I just, I mean, I, I got a really hard time believing that at that moment, at that, on that vault, on that run was the precise moment where she started to have doubts about her ability and I don't know what she was doing there or um, questioning like her mechanics or, or whatever is going through her mind. I just have a hard time believing that at that precise moment, that was the breaking point where this thing started to, to go south. I, I feel it in my book. I mean, I have no, I have no way of knowing, but, but I would but have to think leading up to that there, there, there was a, like a swelling of this, of this sentiment. Again, I have no idea. It just seems to me like it's too convenient to be like, okay, well I took this fault. Now I'm like, well now it's just not going to work out for me. So I have to withdraw. But I, I'll just want to say one thing on that is how many times have we seen a football player come back onto the field? Um, whoa. Yeah. We Chris got says, Let's all down Simone. So many girls would kill to be there, which is yeah. true. I mean, they took some gymnasts with them that just would have loved to have that opportunity to compete in the, the team event that just didn't get it. Yeah. But would you say, and the, the comment was that Simone let us all down. So many girls would kill to be there. Would you say that to someone who blew out their knee? Would you, would you go, you know, Simone uh, doesn't stick a landing blows out her knee. It's like, well, so many girls would kill to be there. Well, you know, she let us all down. No, no, I don't want to hear well because before, it's, it's if the you same knew way. before the event you were going to, then yeah, I mean, you, you should have withdrawn. Well, but how many athletes do we celebrate for, you know, uh, here's, here's Aaron Rodgers coming back on the field. Can he go? Can he not go? He's going to try to tough it out. And now uh, he can't go. Do we go, Aaron, you should have stayed in the locker room. You let everybody down. Like, well, no. oh, well, I heard the same thing about Chase Utley and like, 2013 where he's having a hip issue and he's gotten it out. And I hear all on sports radio, 
Oh, if Otley knew he was well, injured. I'm sorry. I, sorry, sports radio is our bastion for good takes? <laughs> I'm just telling you what but, public sentiment is. Yeah, and public sentiment can be wrong, you know? But, all right, Gene, hop on in here. Okay, so I, I think that one of the things that sort of separates this maybe from if you, you think in terms of the world of um, American professional team sports is that uh, gymnastics in and of itself, even though there is a team aspect, is a very private exercise. It's a very uh, internal exercise. When you're playing football, you are, if, even if you're the quarterback, like there is still a, a certain amount of, you know, there are people that you can sort of lean on to a certain degree. And in a case of a sport like gymnastics and, uh, you know, probably the equivalent in the winter Olympics would be, um, look, he's hanging on every word. Where are you um, going with this, Gene? So, with your private exercises. So figure skating is probably similar. I think that the, the thing is when you're playing football, you are not actively going to do something necessarily that you are going to put yourself not just in the in harm's way, like running in, getting hit by a linebacker, but by design, you have to, in order to win, do something that, if not done with absolute precision, will guarantee to hurt you. If you do not do it exactly right with total mental acuity, you will get hurt. And even though someone like Simone Biles has gone through these things probably a thousand times in practice, if you can no longer mentally get yourself to a place where you can do it safely, and maybe it was literally at that moment that there was some sort of a a, a, a break. The same thing is you're, you're, you can have a an injury to your leg that your leg is fine up until the point it gets injured. Your mental health can be fine up until the point that it's not. And we, I get it. So, no but you're but you're contesting happen. that that must have been the moment when she did that vault. The second she took off on that vault, that was the moment that it, it the, the the house of cards fell, and she she couldn't continue anymore. There is a. And certain I'm saying there. that in order for those house of cards to fall, there must have been something going on before that. Before and in that the same vault. way that you may have what they call a, a like a like a stress fracture with with tiny little bits, tiny little breaks, eventually those stress fractures sort of compel the injury to be no longer tenable. You can no longer walk on the foot. And I am guessing when you are somebody who Simone Biles is very unique in the fact that like she was put on a pedestal that was. Not only is she going to win, she's going to do things that are going to propel the sport forward. It wasn't for her so much even about just winning a gold medal. It was about we are expecting to see her do something that no one has ever done before and no one will do again. And that amount of pressure built over five years probably at some point is going to cause you to disassociate from who you are as a person. I can't imagine if somebody kept telling me every day, you are going to take podcasting to the next century. You are going to do something on Philadelphia tonight that no one has ever done before and no one will do again. Gene, you do that every episode, so don't don't sell yourself short. Uh, Sarah says, I don't think she let anyone that uh, 
Sarah, the listener, says, uh, I don't think she let anyone down. She is so very brave for knowing her mental limitations at that moment and preventing herself from possibly badly injuring herself. Totally agree. I, I don't think I don't think anyone is saying, well, I'm not saying that she should have pressed on at that point and continue to compete. My whole stance is, look, it, I think if you polled the nation when they say, okay, Summer Olympics, what is the marquee event? They're going to say women's gymnastics. You know, I, yeah. I think most of the country is going to say that. So as the United States, we are most compelled by that event. And if you knew, if you know you can't go, I think the more heroic, the more mature position to take would be I'm recusing myself before the event. Look, we have two, we have two alternates here that are more that can uh, more than admirably step in here and take over one of the and do six stunts on at least two of these apparatuses. So that's that's my only point of contention is like any chance we could have recognized this earlier. And if we want to cry heroism, um, I think, you know, there was there was a more heroic stance to take. But if all your life you've been able to sort of get to that point and even through all of these trials, they've said that she was struggling, but she still was able to qualify. So even her probably at like whatever percentage she was off per game, she was still just physically further along than most of her teammates. And if she probably up to the moment thought that there was a way to proceed. I don't think that anybody would have gone into that team event or up against that apparatus with the intention of sabotaging the American gold medal. There, there, there's no way that I believe that she thought up until the moment that she didn't. No, I'm not saying she sabotaged it intentionally. I'm not saying she sabotaged I think she probably thought she could overcome it. And to me, that's, that's a, a selfish act is to say like – Look, I can't go, but I'm going to go anyway because I I'm going to power through I, when I know what, I can't. What person is that self-aware that they're able to pull themselves <laughs> off the ledge like there? I've never Some seen are. anybody that uh, – not at that level that is able – I mean, that's why you see people in professional sports get the yips because literally they think up until the point that they can't do something that they're going mm -hmm. to be able to do it. Ask Mar Markel Fultz. I'm sure that he'll tell you when he's at the foul line he thinks he's going to hit that, that foul shot. Uh, well, you know what? Then the, the coach had a, ha, has the duty to sit her. But That's how is this coach point. supposed to get into his into her brain? There's no way. There's oh, no God way a coach can talk watch Simone Biles perform the way she performs and be like, "Yeah, she's probably not going to be able to go." That coach Look, if I'm a putter, if I'm a, putter, if I'm a golfer and I can't make a three foot putt, the only person I'm hurting is myself. If I'm Chuck Knobloch and I can't make the throw to first base, well, then my manager's got an like an obligation to say, yeah, "You can't go out there if you can't make a throw to first base." You know, Dave, I want to I want to double back to something you said earlier. You said, you know, would have shown more maturity and would have shown more heroism. I think maturity might be the operative word here, and I'm not saying that you know, in any sort of derogatory way, I'm not saying, oh, she's immature, like she's childish. No. I'm saying <laughs> it takes some time to have that that knowledge of yourself, that knowledge of, uh, of how best to take care of yourself, how you can take one step back to ensure that everything's going to go fine. And this is not at all the same, not at all the same, because I'm never anything close to a professional athlete. But I used to have a, a lot of back problems. And I used to try to push through. 
I used to go, my back is not bothering me too bad. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And then as I was pro approaching 30, um, it was just becoming too big a deal. And I'd try to push through and I'd be laid up for a couple days. Now I know through experience, through being older, hey, if my back's bothering me, I'm going to go lay down for a bit. You know, I'm going to take care of it at the moment. So it's four hours, half a day, whatever uh, of me being laid up as opposed to like, no, no, sorry, me taking care of myself as opposed to pushing to the point where I can't physically go anymore. And that took just, that took life. That took, you know, having enough self-confidence to go, I know me. This isn't going, oh, my back hurts. I need to lay down for a little bit. Oh, aren't I selfish? As opposed to, my back hurts. I need to go lay down a little bit or I can't walk tomorrow. You know, so I, it could just be she had anxiety and every other time when she had to compete for something, maybe it went away. But this time it didn't, you know? Yeah, I mean. Look, no one's building monuments uh, to generals who surrender, even though they may save, you know, thousands of lives. So, like, no one's going to build a monument to Simone Biles for dropping out, even though if she had or if she had recognized this, hell, before the Olympics even started, said, look, I don't want to deal with this pressure. It's not worth it. I've already done everything that there is to do in this sport. Like, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I'm not into these games. I'm not but, going. But it it's such a fine line though. It's such a fine line because, you know, this is on, again, I'm, I'm relating to myself, but like we all have a theater background. I cannot tell you how many times I screwed something up with like uh, trying to get through a monologue and going, you know what? It's going to be the audience, which there was none. You know, that that's a game changer too. She didn't have a crowd to feed off of, but you know, I would go out there and go like, yep, doing it in the moment that adrenaline can carry you through when you don't have a choice to double back. And that treated me well a long time. You know, I, I've sat down to record something and I can't get through it when I'm rehearsing it. But then I go, screw it, hit record. And guess what? I did it. You know, that works great up until it doesn't. So maybe she just thought the adrenaline would carry me through and it didn't this time. Well, I got to say, go ahead, Gene. Do you think that there's an equivalent in um, in any other sport to, to something like this happening? I, I, this seems like a very unique. Um, Brandon I Brooks mean, did it to the Eagles. In, what's that? Brandon Brooks did it to the Eagles. He, he had a non-physical injury? Yeah, he had anxiety, so he stopped playing for that year. And then he got help and he came back the next season and, you know, got hurt. And then he had more, you know, mental health issues and he went out. So, I mean, it happens. I, look, I just like above all else, my hat's off to the three um, to the three U.S. women who kind of carried the load and, and brought home a silver medal. I mean, to, that's a gold in my in my mind, a team down one person. Um, and, the, you know, they really battled for for gold against a the Russian Olympic Committee, who, for Christ's sake, shouldn't even be competing in the Olympics. Like, can we? Can we, I mean, like, what? What is that? Your country is banned from the Olympics, yet you can still compete under the Olympic flag. 
Yeah, it's just I, shifting I, gears here. <laughs> shifting Olympic gears. Shifting gears is something we can all agree with. Those dirty Russians and the Olympics. Um, that was facetious. You know, for whoever Russian bots are Russian listening right now. Is that, a, is that a jab at Mila Kunis? No, no, she was in Bad Moms and Bad Moms Christmas. Oh, you, did you see the? <laughs> it's just a sidebar article about her and Ashton Kutcher came out today about how they do not shower regularly and they also do not bathe their kids regularly. Their their stance is if you see dirt on them, wash it off, and then and that's it. So let your body. Do its natural oil thing. Uh, so when you said dirty Russians, I immediately immediately went to Mila Kunis. I have no idea. If she, is she Russian? I believe she is, right? Is she, uh, she is from that uh, – her family is from that part of the world. I don't know if they're Ukrainian and not Russian, but I, I know that she has roots in that part of the world. God, that explanation sounds worse than just getting it wrong. Yes, she's Russian. So what the hell was I saying? Oh, the the Russian Olympic Committee. Um, yeah, they were around uh, in the the Sochi Olympics, and I didn't know they'd be carrying over to to this one. Not the Sochi, um, Pyongyang. They're yeah. around in Pyongyang, and um, I didn't know they'd be carrying over to this one. So I was really surprised. I'm like, Rock is out competing, and I'm like, oh, okay, but. Like, who oversees them? Where do they practice? Because if it's all the same Russian officials, it's just like, ha, you don't get your flag, but you get a stylized version of the flag. It's your flag, but cooler. I mean, it's it doesn't seem like that big a punishment, you know? And the the Russian national anthem um, is cool, but the, you know, the Olympic theme is cool as well, you know? So, yeah, it, it is a bit of a crock. Um, all right. Anything else about the Olympics we want to touch on before we actually start talking about Philadelphia sports? Did uh, did you guys um, watch the any of the swimming? Um, I'll tell you the the other event earlier in the week that caught my attention was um, was the uh, the what was it, the women's four hundred freestyle, where I was actively rooting for an Australian over an American. Um, you wanted Titmus to win? I did. And I'll tell you Over, why. Uh, I got suckered by the uh, by the package on that one. Um, wait, wait, hold on. You wanted Titmus to beat Katie Ledecky? I did. I'm removing Gene from the uh, <laughs> from the do. screen. Um, uh, just for a second. I don't know who that is. I, we have the. <laughs> Are no, we bringing? You, I am a sucker <laughs> because uh, you know I'm a sucker for the you know the un, you know you, the immovable force meets meets the you know the the spunky kid from Australia um, with the insane crazed coach. Um, you know, the girl that, that can get bent. If she you just had a picture of Ledecky in her locker and every day she punched a picture. I'm going to get that girl. I'm going to get that girl. You know, I'm a sucker for that. Like, you know, I wanted to see her get Ledecky. Ledecky had lots of medals. I want to see the girl. Look, get, get that coach air humping the railing. I mean, that guy can, can get lost. My favorite really part was the the poor Japanese, um, I guess handler or like uh, social oh, yeah. distancing, like, um, like coordinator was like flying around, being like, yeah, trying to yeah. put him in the. I can't touch box. you, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so. I will say uh, I, I also have a comment that it did, I don't know if anyone noticed this, but the United States won every event that involved a gun. Yeah, hey. We've Good job. Been training for it every day. Good job since birth. Um, <laughs> Real positive show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> American uh, heroes are really cowards, and we have a gun problem in the United States. <laughs> no Australia. Australia. Oh boy! All right. Well, and hey, baseball like... starts tomorrow. What's what? Baseball starts tomorrow. Baseball starts tomorrow. Olympic baseball starts oh, okay. tomorrow. Uh, so <laughs> I'm excited for that. <laughs> Team USA <laughs> lost to France in their opening game of uh, men's basketball. Uh, which, <laughs> God, they're women's terrible. softball. The U.S. got their ass kicked two to nothing. And I know two to nothing does not sound like getting your ass kicked, but oh, that was that was. A, it, it was so uninspiring. Yeah, frustrating, frustrating. is a, is a good way to put it. I think we we left the bases loaded, right in the sixth. Was yeah. it? I I don't know. It was while I was doing other things that I, was I will say. I feel like I've been watching Cat Osterman um, my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and my son goes, "Why are there so many old people on the softball team?" <laughs> you leave Cat Osterman alone. Well, speaking of which, and I'll just touch on it real quick. Um, U.S. women's national team might be in trouble. Gene's uh, favorite Australians, you know, we we drew with them, and coming up Friday, um, first thing in the morning, but like reasonable, I think seven a.m. Eastern time, USA versus the Netherlands in the the knockout stage. Is that tomorrow morning? But it's Friday, uh, Friday U.S. Oh, time, Friday seven a.m. Okay. Your okay. time. You don't need to convert it, Dave. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, all right. I'm just. <laughs> So I'm just saying, I think we can all agree that Far East Olympics really are the worst to fit into the American daily lifestyle. We should make them play. In the say that like as diplomatically as possible. No. <laughs> when failed. you begin any statement with "Let's all agree about the Far East." <laughs> Whatever you follow with is gonna be dicey at best. Well, I think it it's great, except except the problem is it's like okay, Pyongyang, then Tokyo, and now Beijing for the Winter Olympics. It's just like okay, it's eight years of like f the Far East Games. Like, can we get something? You know, it's a little bit more of time zone friendly for me personally. Olympic Committee, my plea to you. Can you imagine and what life was sectors. like before the DVR when you could sort of like time shift these things? Well, everything own? is ruined. I mean, like the nighttime package is useless with the with the you know with a Far East Olympics. It's like I I wake up in the morning, I go you know I'm, I'm at work, I open up my homepage, and it's like United States women uh, scratch out a silver medal in women's gymnastics. It's like oh great, all right, I'm not watching that, I guess. Well, I mean, when when in your life other than like Atlanta or when it's in the States are the Olympics not spoiled? Like that's sort of part of the, the deal for me. Like I, I don't remember the last time I yeah. – you know, I mean, it's not it's not a super non-spoiler filled event. That's why I don't even make any effort to avoid things. And, and sort of like we were talking about today, if I honestly really care, I get up and I make sure that I watch it. But there hasn't been anything that's compelled me yet this – this this Olympic Games. Maybe if the U.S. women national team get into like the semifinals, that'll be the first thing that I'll I'll try to watch live. But um, 
yeah, no, I mean, I, and, and are you like a swimming pool guy or gal, or are you a track and field guy or gal? Like that's the, that's the big push and pull in my house. I'm, I'm a first half of the Olympics. I'm much more into swimming. I like, I like the first week. Uh, my dad's a track and field. He likes the second week. He likes to see people run fast. Track and field swimming. Boring to me. Yeah, track and forward, uh, field also gets boring to me. Uh, much more into the swimming, but I, I follow the, I I watch the Olympics wrong. Okay, like it's the here's the the evening package, and I'm like, great, I want to watch tennis, I want to watch baseball, I want to watch softball, I want to yeah. watch soccer, like these little one-off individual competitions. I, when I have to watch them or when something's really compelling or I accidentally watch them, I, I really enjoy them. But when given the choice, it's like, all right, you know, ooh, U U.S. track and field versus, you know, Spain versus Argentina water polo. I'm watching the damn water polo. So it really yeah. feels like even this morning I had um, the, the softball on. Well, all of Twitter was blowing up over uh, gymnastics. So, yeah. yeah, my Olympic experience is unique. I mean, my favorite Summer Olympics game is the indoor volleyball. Like, I will watch the <laughs> shit out of any indoor volleyball match. I think it's so cool. I wish we had, like, a, uh, um, a, like a national league in the United States with your city's volleyball, indoor volleyball team. I love it. I think it's I think it's cool. I, and I love all the team sports too because it was great watching the softball because it was like, okay, half inning, one thirty second commercial, the bottom of the inning. And it was like, man, we are cooking through this through this game. It's such a more pleasant experience than watching a pro baseball game where it's like, okay, well, I got three minutes of commercial. <laughs> um anybody want to talk about some Philadelphia sports? Yes. Yeah, sure. Sarah, why don't you start us off with the big Flyers trade that happened this week, like immediately after we finished our last episode? <laughs> um, well, that would be – I mean, we got to get the, the lay of the land here. So that would be the ghost trade where the Flyers uh, – Yeah, trade, oh, that's right. That one happened. Yeah, we trade our figurative ghost for a literal ghost because we got <laughs> nobody back. Um, ghost, uh, a second um, next year and a – 2023 or I don't know, and then a seventh, which who cares about a seventh? Um, we shed some cal uh, some calories. <laughs> we shed some salary uh, with Ghost. Um, it was the the right call. He wasn't going to find a spot here. We needed we need some roster space. We need some flexibility. And then I think the one you were alluding to. No way. No. Where did he go? He went to Arizona. Arizona. Right. If a lot of people are upset about this, it seems like. He was like about a, him leaving for nothing? I think people kind of liked him. There's a lot of fond memories of Ghost. And yeah. he he wasn't as bad as the team and apparently the league uh, thinks he is. But he's inconsistent. I think he's people had like injury the idea problems. of Ghost. Yeah, well, Ghost was was really dynamic. His rookie year was something special, something that we will always remember. Yeah. Um, his next year, um, his uh, sophomore year wasn't 
wasn't as bad as as people let on. He was more defensive, uh, defensively responsible. Then he had that wonderful year where he and Provorov were paired together, and it looked like, hey, here are here's our defensive pair of the future. And then that was that. Yeah, Those, and it was like power play magic that year, right? Oh, power play magic. He was also really great uh, defensively. He and Provorov had great advanced numbers. They they shut teams down. They limited scoring chances. They were something really special. And that's when I was going like, Ugh, I don't want to say it, but maybe this guy isn't Mike Green. Maybe he's more Eric Carlson. And um, now he looks to be more like Mike Green. Um, but a, a new a new venue, a new setting will be good for him. I think I think casual fans just like the idea of having someone on the team with the nickname of Ghost and being able to write his name in emoji. Well, yeah, it's fun. I yeah. mean, we, we do it. Um, it it was unique. It was cool. The guy has personality. He might have had attitude problems with the coach. It really does seem like that. He has said on more than one like getaway day, you know, he's been a little more open with his opinion than most hockey players are. Um, take that for what it's worth, but the, the ghost error has ended. Yeah. The fairy and D is the, is the superior emoji name anyway, in my opinion. We're trying hard to make that happen. So uh, when Joel Farabee does something next season, make sure to use the fairy and the B a little less yeah. butch than a ghost and a bear, but a fairy and a bee. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the Gretchen Wieners of this podcast, and you are all are like, stop trying to make fairy bee happen. <laughs> it's just never going to happen. Um, all right, so let's let's move on to the Atkinson deal. Well, I thought we were going to go Ristolainen. I don't know who this person is. It sounds like he's like a he's like a, a Russian uh, consult to the czar. <laughs> well, he's Finnish. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I'm, he's Rasputin to me. That is a cool nickname. Yeah. I don't know if it ends well, but I mean, that is a cool <laughs> nickname. I think it ends in a river, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> well, it's hard to like, kill. Shot, hung, drowned. Yeah. Well, that was his time in Buffalo. That was his time <laughs> in Buffalo. And he survived okay. it all to make it to Philadelphia. Right, right. And for him, we gave up a first, a second. That's the one I think in 2023. And I say that like it's all far away as opposed to two years. And um, Robert Haig. And we're getting a guy that a lot of people are worried about. I have calmed down about him. Um, one, of that, one of those things that helped me calm down is hearing uh, Joe Yearden uh, talk. Um, he's a beat writer out of Buffalo, very knowledgeable guy, really nice guy. And just talked about, um, Risto, uh, Risalainen's usage and the fact that guy was more or less left out to dry. Buffalo has been really bad for a really long time. Sure. And so the, the Sabres go, so went Risalainen. So did he help this? You know, did he help them be bad? Was he bad by circumstances? It's really hard to say. But he's going to be playing in a different role here. He's going to move to the second pairing, uh, presumably. Everyone's saying, oh, well, he's going to be our third defenseman. You know, Travis Sandheim still exists. So Travis is probably going to be the number three, and he'll be the number four. And not like that matters. It's line pairings. Um, you know, defensive pairings, I mean. 
And then the, the name that keeps sticking out to me is Steve Mason. You know, before Mace came to Philadelphia, he was the, you know, the laughing sock. He was the, the, the goalie you use for a punchline. He came to Philly, did well, continued to do well, you know, played on pretty cheap contracts his whole time here, and then ended up the number three all-time in wins in Philadelphia. So there is a real chance that that Ristolainen can have a uh, a Steve Mason like comeback, and I'm sure there are people who will hear that and still laugh and still think that 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 Mace was a bad goalie. But for his time in Philadelphia, he was pretty damn good. And if if Ristolainen can be comparable, you know, to that sort of improvement, then the Flyers got a good deal. So that's that was the trade on Friday. Now we get to Saturday, and there's the one that you wanted to lead off with, the Jake Voracek for uh, Cam Atkinson. I feel like it's the biggest move, even though I probably the, the first move was the biggest move, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the first – I don't know. It's hard to, to, to separate this package. It's Lots of things are happening. We're going to have three new defensemen in the lineup at least. Um you know, not necessarily new to the team, but uh, new to the the regular day in day out lineup from last year. Ellis is the biggest addition. He's going to change the Flyers the most. Atkinson is definitely an uh, an attitude change. I love Jake Voracek. He had a big attitude. He had a a, a big personality. I mean, and Atkinson's a lot more reserved. Uh, um. Certainly more courteous, uh, a little goofy. He's he's going to be a fan favorite here. Now, he's not as dynamic as Jake, but he's more of a goal scorer than Jake. You know, the guy puts the puck in the net. He puts the puck on the net. You know, so when it's the power play and you're screaming shoot at your TV, there's a good chance uh, Cam's going to listen. He is a good guy um, from everything I've heard. Uh, I've been following since he was at Boston College. Um, I'm loving that the Flyers are competing for the the Boston College professional team with him and uh, Kevin Hayes. But he's a, a good guy. He plays a 200-foot game. He, he is responsible on defense. He's an asset on defense. He kills penalties. He scores shorthanded goals. Everyone loves a shorthanded goal. It's a backbreaker. He's going to be a difference maker on this team. Um, so he should be the captain, right? Damn you, Dave. <laughs> now that question, not exactly, but a similar question to that was asked of Chuck Fletcher. Um, I believe it was Rob Perry. Chuck Fletcher decides who the captain is. Uh, he does. He, he part wait, of the base. GM decides who the captain is going to be on the team. It's a management decision is not the players really? anymore. Yep. It's he, not. For the uh, longest time, the players elected yeah, the captain. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Decision. So you're <laughs> right. stuck with Drew, Dave. Sorry. But um, <laughs> Fletcher was asked uh, by Rob Parent um, if uh, Drew was going to so remain the captain. He got a pretty quick yes. Um, Sam Carcitti shared that. And everyone likes to, to dunk on Sam. Um, but... The one who did the dunking was Claude Giroux. Uh, Sam shared it and said, uh, Claude Giroux will remain captain. Giroux 
wrote, quote tweeted and wrote back, great scoop, Sam. So that's <laughs> always fun. But didn't Sam fire back and say something like... He did. It and was your like, own damn GM who brought it up or something? I don't He said it was your own GM who was talking about um, leadership changes on the team. Yeah. And like, well, you're part of leadership. I mean, which was fair. To be honest, that was <laughs> fair, but I mean, less fun. Um, it's a lot more fun when you can go, Voracek is gone. Now we have... Um, now we have Giroud to be a jerk to the reporters. Not that you should be a jerk to reporters. Like you really shouldn't. They're doing their job. Podcasts how much? Too, like, all right. How, the, the, does how much is who who the captain of the team is uh, have a, an impact on the on games? That's a good question. I would say, I don't know, ten. 10% maybe I'm, like, I mean, what if you give everyone a C what if you can put a C on everyone just like look we're all captains here <laughs> and, and well, we they, all need to lead by example and uh and step up when it's our time so we're all we're all captains well they've done it before like, we're the Bernie Sanders team <laughs> you're 27 dollars yeah um but they've done it before. There have been teams where it's you know they have three permanent assistants and no captain. Um, that happens. It's you know not commonplace, but the 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 captain is the leader of the team. The captain can speak to the referee. You know the the captain can do lots of different things like that. Does it ultimately make a difference? Probably not. Has a goalie ever been a captain? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's goalies are are forbidden to be officially the captain. The most recent goalie who was captain was Roberto Luongo. Now, the reason why a goalie can't be the captain is because the captain's allowed to speak to the referee, and the goalie is on the ice the entire game. Um, so the idea is that the goalie would just pester the ref the whole game. Um, so the I like goal- it. That's a good strategy. So the goalie's not officially the captain, even if he was. Okay. So he and- can't be the captain. No, he can't. But Luongo was had a little C on the bottom of his uh, on the bottom of his mask, and that then was a Panthers situation. No, that was a Vancouver situation, and he was um, not long for Vancouver <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> I think he was around for maybe another season. Okay, but right. so uh, uh, my question about the Flyers is: do, do we feel like that they have been degrumpified by getting rid of of sort of the 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 personalities that have have shifted out? The personalities that are shifting in have they degrumped the Flyers? Are we going to be a much more fun-loving, easygoing, easy breezy, devil may care Flyers team? <laughs> um, I I think you actually are really on to something there. They've talked about you know attitude in the locker room. They've talked about leadership change, and Jake was fairly. Kind of just a, a curmudgeon, like I think you, uh, like you were saying, Gene. He was a curmudgeon. Ghost, you know, has been openly hostile, openly aggravated in the past. Um, I don't know what to say about Robert Hag. He seems nice enough. He was here for Oscar Lindblom during his cancer treatment. Those guys are apparently like best friends. So, I mean. Hopefully it does become more fun-loving. Apparently this team is taking after Kevin Hayes. 
yes, Dave, they should make Kevin Hayes the captain. Um, because they brought in Cam Atkinson that he did know from BC. That's being oversold a bit. They're only there together one year. Um, but still, they do know each other from BC. Um, and the Flyers today, well, not today, technically tomorrow, uh, will be signing Keith Yandel. Um, Keith Yandel, think of an older ghost. Think of, you know, if Ghost was allowed to do his thing and hang around the league for a long while, that he would grow up to be Keith Yandel. And Yandel's going to be playing on our bottom pair unless, you know, Cam uh, Cam York. I love an old ghost. An old ghost. An old ghost. My like, pre- like, my, like the yeah, Bloody my pre- Baron. <laughs> or Nearly Headless Nick. Or- yes. So was this the offseason you sort of were hoping for without having a coaching change? Uh, I don't remember you advocating for a coaching change at any point last year. But, um, I mean, something had to change. You can't have a season like last season and not address it seriously. Do you feel that the situation has now been seriously addressed? Yes. Yeah. And I was uh, very vocal that, that changes were going to happen. There was a lot of cynicism saying the Flyers will never change. The Flyers aren't going to do anything. You know, Chuck Fletcher is not going to to be aggressive because he had one conservative offseason. I, I wanted to see change. I wanted to see change for the sake of change, which normally I'm not in, the, in favor of. But this team needed needed something to change. They needed an attitude adjustment. So we weren't talking about, Oh, why do the flyers always start slow? Why do the, the flyers get in their own head so much? Why do they, why are they so easy to frustrate? So to do that, you got to change up the personnel. So I definitely wanted to see that. I wanted to see Ellison here. I had sort of um, come to terms with us getting Seth Jones. I am so grateful. We didn't for the, based off the contract Chicago gave them, but I'm, very happy with everything we've done so far. Um, Ristolainen would not have been my first choice, but I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's only on a one-year contract. He will probably get extended, but maybe not until um, the season has already started. The Flyers will need a backup goaltender, um, and we want somebody who can carry the load until Carter Hart, you know, we can be sure that his mental health is strong enough to play at the elite level he had been playing at the past. So tomorrow is free agency day, uh, starting at noon tomorrow. Um, flyers are free to sign people, even though we got some classic old school free agency day where it's like, you're not allowed to talk to the players, but all the leak, all the trades leaked the day before. Um, Right. So the, the Flyers will pick up a backup goalie tomorrow, probably a Bernier or um, Reimer. Those are two leading candidates, maybe Braden Holpe. But I um, like all should, those names. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm more interested in uh, Reimer or uh, Bernier than Holpe just because – he's got to be up there in age. He actually isn't. He actually isn't. He's a uh, young 30s. Maybe like 32, 33, if wow, if that I feel like he's been in the league forever. The yeah, goaltender around- Holpe, what Braden Holpe? Yeah, yeah, I was watching him when I was like seven years old. No, you weren't. <laughs> um, not like even that, close. Maybe, maybe 37. I, I gotta You're say, like, as a, as like a, I'm like 
like I would consider myself like a casual Flyers fan. I'm not like deep in it, um, mm-hmm. like I am with like maybe like the Sixers and Phillies and stuff. But uh, I'm way more excited to watch the Flyers now um, than I was three weeks ago. And he like, I'm be. excited for the start of the season. I, like I can't wait to see these guys, and I think it's going to bring. New energy, I think, like fresh starts in new places is are good for people. Um, I think and I'm excited uh, to talk about them again, which is another. I thing. just hope all of these guys uh, are Philly guys, and they bring their lunch pails, um, and they're you know gritty and grinders, and we're gonna love them, and we're gonna win a lot of games. Right. Last five minutes here. Um, where you want to go? Phillies are going to have to make a trade, right? Right? The Phillies are going to make a trade. So what What do you want, Dave? If you had your pick, <laughs> yeah, that's you a fun one way guy, it can be anybody. I was going to talk about Deshaun Watson, but I think, like, what your dream situation for the Phillies, like, let's talk about, like, let's do, let's do a little um, free agent shopping for the Phillies. What, what do I want? All right, here's, here's what I'm thinking, right? Like, look, the obvious need is a back end of the rotation guy or a starting pitcher. And the – you know, whatever. I think we're having some technical issues with Dave. Um, Which would be interesting since he's running this thing. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, but Gene, who who are you thinking? Who's who's your target? Who do you want? Um, well, the, I'm going to go the conspiracy guy. theory route. And um, I think it was last night I saw Bryce Harper batting with a Chris Bryant bat. So um, I can't imagine why else Bryce Harper is going to take that out to the plate, knowing that every time he steps up to the uh, to take some swings, that everybody zooms in on his uh, on his bat. And um, I think that he's trying to sort of put the bug in management management's ear that he would like to have Chris Bryant. And if that's who Bryce Harper wants, I'm going to get behind it. So I would like to see Chris Bryant come in. Uh, I'd like to add another bat like that into the middle of the lineup. Um, I just, maybe it's because I'm a Phillies fan. I'm just so hesitant to want to spend a lot of capital on um, what is probably going to be a middle of the road starter or uh, uh, a back end bullpen piece that, you know, how many times have, you know, for every Brad Lidge that we've had, we've had how many Jan- Jan- Jonathan Papelbons, um, who I guess honestly pitched a lot of good innings for the Phillies, but God, what a disgusting human being. Um, so, uh, and Billy Wagner's another guy who I just didn't like. Um, so, you know, I-, I would like to say that I, I, you know, obviously the glaring need is, is, with arms but um you know if i want a splashy name if i want if i'm dreaming big i'd love to see a power hitter like chris bryant come in and um you know i i, I like the idea of having a jt real muto chris bryant uh bryce harper uh you know murderers row somewhere in the lineup you know i would like to see that captain in the seventh or eighth inning uh to watch um watch a reliever have to tr- sort of navigate through that so that would be my pick um, I think that makes everybody in the lineup better. Um, so that that's my take. Sarah, what do you think? Uh, I think that's a good take. 
I don't really know what I want the Phillies to do because I I haven't bought fully back in. I, I want to. Uh, I want to believe in the Phillies. But, you know, you know, every time I'm out, they pull me back in. It's the exact opposite of that. It's the exact opposite of the Godfather 3 problem. It's the every time I'm in, they push me back out. <laughs> and I don't have faith in the Phillies. I think... More times than not, I think the the Bryce Harper decision was a bad one. Not for Bryce Harper, just because we, we don't have the team to support it. It was like, you know, we have the luxury car and we don't have a house. You know, so uh, I just wonder, um, I just wonder what moves are worth making. Now, I do, I don't think the fills are built for the long term. I don't think that's the case. I would like, you know, thinking that way, I would like to go, you know, burn fast, burn bright, burn quickly, you know, try to win now. If it looks like we have an opening now, and it does, you know, how at whatever level the Phillies are playing at now, it's good enough to hang out around the top of the division. So, you know, the Phillies are going to be close to, to getting there. Um, you might as well push for it. So give me a bat. I, I want, I want starting pitching because we don't have any, we, we don't have, you know, we have, we have Wheeler and Nola flip a coin, you know, Vinny, uh, Vinny Velasquez, you know, if, uh, if he's using spider tack, maybe he's great. Maybe he's not. Um, Dave, if, if you are with us, give us a sign. I'm here. What do you? Am I not on the screen? You are on the screen. I was just. I'm just going to say, look, if the Phillies are going to win, they need to mash. All right, we just don't have the pitching. We're not going to be able to get the pitching. The pitching isn't on the market, and if it is, we don't have the assets to get it. We need bats, and we need a hit, and we need a hit like we've never hit before. We need a hit like it's 2007, and like you know, honestly, this team won a World Series with. Uh, you know, Cole Hamels, Brett Myers, and Jamie Moyer for crying out loud. I mean, you got to hit. I would love to get like a Trevor Story or Chris Bryant or something like that that we can, you know, just keep adding to this like sort of just hodgepodge um, group of sluggers that we're acquiring haphazardly on the team. And then I'd maybe try to get some pitching in free agency. But, um, that's kind of where I'm at, but look, it's fun watching. I don't know what are they doing right now. I don't know they're, they're trying to come it's back. Six to four, bottom of the ninth. I don't know how many outs, but no, um, it doesn't look good. Uh, coming back from two runs in the bottom of the ninth, two nights in a row is a tall order. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday <coughs> talking about Phillies, uh, maybe some Eagles news uh, with uh, training camp. Uh, oh, the Sixers draft is uh, Thursday. Thursday. So, um, oh, make sure you ch you tune into the Painted Lines uh, draft party, uh, watch party uh, on Thursday night. Gene, you going to hop in on that? That is my plan. All right, cool. Well, we'll be looking out for you there. Um, what else? If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. And again, be sure to check out the Painted Lines uh, for your wall-to-wall -wall Philly sports coverage. Uh, we'll see you next week. And until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.